Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aussie Toffee Podcast. Here, back again for episode number six. We are we are in for a big one today, ladies and gentlemen. We got a couple of things to cover. We got the Aston Villa match review. We're gonna go through that game again. We got the QPR match review. We're gonna go through that game again. Um, in the middle section, I got a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Hammers Rodriguez situation. Um, and I also want to talk about the Rafa Benitez hate that's happening right now. And then, uh, towards the end of the podcast, we'll be doing a uh, match preview of the Norwich game at home on Saturday. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into the, uh, match review of Norwich, uh, Norwich match review of Aston Villa versus Everson. Obviously away. Villa Park, always a tough place to go. Their stadium was bouncing. Um, it was great to hear their fans loud and proud. Um, and if you watched my review, I was on my preview last week about the Aston Villa game, you know that I was going into this game fairly confident. I was going into this game. Uh, Villa have a great attack. We know this. Um, but in my personal opinion, their defense is some, has something to be desired. The problem that we faced this game was that we had a lot of people out. Jordan Pickford, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, John-Philippe Gabama was out as well. Um, so we had some very, very key pieces missing from the squad. Seamus Coleman as well. So that's, if you look at all that, that's four first-team players. And obviously, Gabama being a squad player. And then obviously, uh, Hammers Rodriguez was not there as well. Uh, Fabian Delph wasn't available for this game either. Um, so we had quite a lot of players out injured and obviously that's four first team players. You have your first two strikers out. Um, so you're forced to play Salomon Rondon. You have your first choice goalkeeper out. So you play, um, Asmir Begovic and then you obviously have your first choice right back out and you play Ben Godfrey at right back. This game was interesting because the, the first 45 minutes was good. I think that obviously they had, in my opinion, the better of the chances. But I think towards the end of that first half, we were sort of turning, turning the cog, right? And, and we were getting in there. Um, and you go into half time and you're thinking that is a very good professional first 45 minutes that we just put out. In, in my opinion, at least, especially with the squad that we have, especially with the team that we put out against the team that Aston Villa were able to put out. And you look at the bench that they had, the likes of Leon Bailey, who we'll talk about later, the, the likes of Bertrand Traore, who was still available to come on, right? Um, I think Emi Buendia was on the bench as well for them, if my memory serves me correct. So they had a lot of attacking output that they could put on. Whereas when... We looked at our attacking output. We could put on Alex Awobi as a striker. We replaced Salomon Rondon with Andre Gomez. Like, the squad is very thin. And that's very much the theme of this episode and this week in general is that the squad is very thin. And you get injuries like Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Pickford and Coleman. and, And suddenly you're looking at a squad that can't really keep up with the likes of Villa who are still sort of looking to to gel and looking to mold as a team since they brought so many new players in and they lost Jack Grealish um but but again that first 45 minutes was was quite good I, I went into half time at least and I sort of was thinking all right we're either gonna nick this with a one nil with a one nil or we're gonna draw this with a with a, like a one one I didn't think we were gonna lose the game um because that first 45 minutes was so good. And you're looking at that first, first 45 thinking, okay, maybe we'll do something here. Maybe Andre, uh, maybe Damari Gray 
sneaks in a goal. Um, he was by far the best player that, that day. Damari Gray was causing the problems all night. Damari Gray was by far our biggest threat. He was trying to do something. He was trying to go forward and look to score that chance that he had. We just, just curls it past the post. I thought that was going in. I, I expect him in the form that he's in to put that in, but it just wasn't to be. Um, but it showed that although we didn't have our Richarlison's or our Dominic Calvert-Lewins, it showed that we are still a threat on the break, especially with the pace that we have with uh, with Demario Gray, uh, with the with the I guess the ability that Andres Townsend has on the ball, we're still a threat on the break, right? Especially with the pace that we now have in the squad, um, and then that showed during that game against Villa. And in that Villa game, by the way, although the score was three nil, that that game came down to ten minutes of madness, very much like what we did against Burnley. The game was close up until a certain point where one team breaks away, scores three goals and that's sort of it that was exactly like the villa game you get up to i think it was about the 60th minute i want to say i don't i don't know if it was but i want to say the 60th minute um and then and then that goal gets conceded i think it was oh man i i can't even remember he scored the goal i just remember leon bailey like absolutely terrorizing us uh once he came on um but you concede the first goal and then again that's 10 minutes of you can see, you can see, oh, it was Matty Cash. Matty Cash scores the goal coming off of the right-hand side, scoring with his left foot. Um, and if I'm honest with you, I think Luca Dean needs to do better there. Um, I, I think for a lot of the game against Villa, I think he needed to do better. He would like that, especially, especially our left and right backs. So Luca Dean and Bed Godfrey. I think that a lot of the time they got sucked into the middle, allowing their, Matt targets and and Matty Cash right to to be wingbacks to expose our flanks to have so much space out on the wings, um and and I think that that was allowed by both Luca Dean and Ben Godfrey and obviously for that first goal I feel like Luca Dean should get tighter Luca Dean should be spun Luca Dean should be on the wrong side of the ball he should be in front of him he should be going with him and should be, he should be making it hard for him to cut in and shoot with his left foot. Um, but that goal gets scored and then uh, Leon Bailey comes on and it was just one of those ones, right? It was like the whole summer we were crying out for Leon Bailey uh, towards the middle of the windows. Like Leon Bailey is close to signing for Everton. We could get him, could not get him. Depends on our finances. Depends on if we can sell some players. He goes to Villa and you're thinking, all right, that is a great player that we've just lost to what I would perceive as a competitor for those European places, right? And then, <laughs> and then he comes on, and it's just straight away. You can see how quick he is, how dynamic he is, how good he is on the ball, how direct he is, and you're just thinking, wow, I would like a little bit of that in my team right now. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if him and Damari Gray were in the team it would just be amazing but anyway that's that he's not our player he came on and put on an absolute clinic uh his assist for the second goal obviously um it was just his pace you know it's, it's just his pace and his power his ability to get balls into the box allowed that to happen and then the third uh the third goal where he just takes on Ben Godfrey and and then just leathers it into the back of their net. Nothing Begovic can do, but obviously Ben Godfrey, we know how quick he is, we know how strong he is, and I just don't think he's 100% fit 
obviously he had COVID. He's probably still recovering from that. And he, and just this season, from what we've seen of him, he hasn't been the player that he was last season. He's not as aggressive. He's not as quick. He's not getting to those balls. He's not making those blistering runs. He's, he's just a little bit off of it. And I don't know if that's down to match fitness, if that's down to the fact that he had COVID, whatever it may be, he's just not 100% right now, which is unfortunate. And it shows you that Leon Bailey goal, because if I am looking at that situation again, uh, off the counter attack, Leon Bailey versus Ben Godfrey, although Bailey is quick, I think that Ben Godfrey is just as quick. So I would back him to at least put him off as much to where he either skies it, misses the net, but no, Leon Bailey absolutely obliterates him in a foot race, gets past him and scores, and that's three goals. And I'm going to be honest, at that point, I just went to sleep. It was 4.30 in the morning here in Australia, and I couldn't be bothered to watch Everton anymore because that was a shocking 10 minutes that I witnessed. So I just turned it off, and I went to sleep. And and I woke up, and I'm going to be honest, when I woke up, I was like, maybe it's 4-0, maybe it's 5-0. All I know is that we lost. It was still 3-0, so fair enough. They had their 10 minutes of heaven, just like we had our 6 minutes. Um, and that completely changed the game. Three min- uh, 10 minutes sorry, of just whether that be a lack of passion or whether that be a lack of, of that ability to come back, which we've shown so far this season. This season, we've shown so far that this team has the ability to fight back. And I just don't think that we have the quality to do so. When that... When those goals went in, we didn't have a striker on the pitch. We had Alex Awobi playing striker. We had no striker, really, like, the whole game. Because Salman Rondon, keep in mind, the lad hasn't played football for four months, and he's had a couple training sessions, and he's been asked to play already. So you can't expect a lad who hasn't played football for four months to come in to the game and immediately do something Granted, he almost did that, like, the first couple of minutes of the game. There's the Demario Gray cross where, I, if I'm honest, if he's fully fit, I feel like he gets to that. Um, but, you know, he hasn't played football in four months, and he's been chucked into the deep end. Um, so we can't really give him too much slack, you know what I mean? Like, you can't hate the guy so much because he's only had a couple training sessions. He's not fully match fit, so you can't really do much there. And... Um, and to sort of wrap up this Aston Villa game, it's just 10 minutes of quality, right? 10, 10 minutes of their quality shining over ours. And there's not much to say more than that. I think that Yeri Mina was by far our best player that day, in my personal opinion. Demai Gray close second. Uh, mainly because Yeri just looks our best defender. Or he is our best defender, right? He, he does some crazy things and I think his way of defending is very unorthodox and to a lot of people it may seem like he has no idea what he's doing but I think he does he's a ball magnet he's someone that gets onto balls he, he tries to head them out he tries to smell danger and, and eliminate that danger and I think that that game he was sort of our best defender although we conceded three goals he was our best defender that day I think that Ben Godfrey just looked off the pace and I think that Luca Dean looked off the pace as well um, and when you have most of your first, uh, well, your spine realistically out of the game in terms of Dominic Calvert-Lew and Char- Richarlison, uh, Jordan Pickford, James Coleman, you can have some problems, especially against a side like Aston Villa. So awful game, really bad game, but we move to the QPR game in the Carabao Cup. Now, at the time that I'm recording this podcast, it just happened 
couple of hours ago. So the game is still quite fresh in my head. Um, and yeah, just another awful game. Uh, I think that's the best way to, to put it. Um, Carabao Cup has never really uh, been a good competition for us. I think we've only made past the third round six out of now 12 times in the competition over the past 12 years. So that's not a very good statistic. Um, and yeah, just not just not a competition that really bodes well for us. I think that our squad doesn't need a Carabao Cup. Although I want a Carabao Cup, if that makes sense. Obviously, we haven't won a trophy since 1995. You want to be in as many com- competitions as possible to win, the, win a trophy. And we've just lost that opportunity now that we've lost. Um, and if I'm honest with you, even if we went through on penalties, I wouldn't think we deserved to get through. I think that overall, as a performance, it was quite poor. It was quite awful. Um, my first sort of problem with the the game today was having Ben Godfrey and Mason Holgan in defense. I don't think that they're a centre-back partnership. I don't think that they're good enough aerially to be a centre-back partnership. I think if you're looking at pace... If you're looking at being on the ball as a centre-back, then they're fine. But if you're looking at someone to be a, a, an aerial presence, and you can see in this game that they weren't an aerial presence, then 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 they're going to be a problem. Charlie Austin had two, probably two of the easiest goals who ever scored in his life because he had literally no competition for those headers. He was, he was easily up in the air, unchallenged, had those balls into the goal. And again, conceding two goals from heading situation, like the first one goes in and you think, all right, be more aware of that, that this lad can score a header and then he does again. So I don't think that Mason, oh, I just hiccup. I don't think that Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey can be a centre-back partnership in this Everton team. I think you have to have either Michael Keane or Yeri Mina next to one of those two. You can't have just those two. It's not. It's it's not something that works. I've said for many many weeks that Ben Godfrey and Yerry Mina are our best centre back partnership at the moment in time. I would say it's Michael Keane and Yerry Mina because I think that Keane, although he has those mistakes in him, he's more match fit and match ready than Ben Godfrey at the moment, which is really unfortunate because I think that Ben Godfrey, with his pace, with his power, with his with his ability that he is our second best centre-back just at the moment. He's not showing that. So our centre-back partnership definitely gave us a lot of problems today, I think. I think very much so. I think that Charlie Austin just had a field day. I think Chris Willock had a field day because what happened was, for whatever reason, Mason Holgate kept going out to right-back with John Joe Kenny, and then we'll talk, we'll talk about John Joe Kenny in a second, and he just kept getting pulled out. And for that second goal in particular, it was just Ben Godfrey in the box defending Charlie Austin. They only played with one striker. And I think that we were committing too many people to one person. You know what I mean? Like one Chris Willock or uh, who, who else was Ilias Chair or whoever it was whipping balls into the box. We had like three people surrounding them, leaving Charlie Austin and, and people like Albert Doma and all that sort of stuff to sort of be in the box and more specifically Charlie Austin. Um, and it just didn't work and, and just defensively it didn't work. Um, and, and I think that my favorite part of the game was watching John Joe Kenny mark himself. He had an awful game, like an awful, he's not a footballer. He, he, he literally marked himself for the entire game. I, like for both goals, he was just marking space why 
Like, and I think he did one good thing was whipping that ball in for Decore, and Decore was um, hacked in the back of the leg. And Kevin Friend is an awful referee. And how that's not a penalty is ridiculous. And how VAR is not a, in, in the competition is ridiculous. Like, why is that not in the competition yet? It's obviously needed because Kevin Friend doesn't have two eyes. It's just, it was just awful. But uh, that's besides the point. Chandra Kenny just isn't a footballer. And it's clear as day to see why the manager went for Ben Godfrey at right back instead of Chandra Kenny at right back in the game against Villa. Because Kenny is not a footballer. He doesn't get forward. He doesn't defend well. He, I don't know what he does. And it's obvious to see why Celtic didn't want him back. It's obvious to see why no one wanted him in the summer. I think his contract ends at the end of the season. And I'm fairly certain that'll be the end of John Joe Kenny at Everton. But the real problem lies in the fact that he is our second choice right back. Realistically, our second choice right back should have been Seamus Coleman. Realistically, we should have got a first choice right back in the summer. And Seamus Coleman should have been playing this game against QPR. Because him being our second choice. But that didn't happen. And we have to deal with John Joe Kenny. And, and he just marked himself all game. It was just so stupid to see. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of hate on the timeline, the Twitter timeline for for Salomon Rondon. Again, he hasn't played in four months of football. He literally just played on Saturday. Being asked to play again on Wednesday will probably be asked again to play on Saturday. So he's been chucked into the deep end and it's clear and obvious to see that he is not fit. He is not ready to play games of football, but he has to play games of football because he is our only senior striker available. I see a lot of people asking for Ellis Sims. Just remember that Ellis Sims hasn't really made a professional debut for Everton yet. And he's also coming off an, a, a bad injury. So he as well is sort of getting back to match fitness. Um, so, so both of our strikers that are available for us in the next two weeks are either not match fit or coming off of an injury. So... And then when those two strikers come back, that'd be Richardson and Dominic Cavett-Lewin, they too will be coming off of injuries. So for a couple of weeks, maybe up to a month, we will be dealing with like recovering strikers, which is bad. And it showed today we had no focal point. Alex Awobi at striker doesn't work. It just doesn't work because things bounce off of him. Whereas things need to bounce onto him. He needs to trap the ball. He needs to do what strikers do, but he's not a striker. He's a winger. He's a ten. He he gets the ball. He gives the ball. Like he's not he, he's not gonna bring the ball down from from the from the air, trap it and then give it off. That's not his game. I think Townsend had a good game. I think we can look at him and being one of uh, as as one of our more reliable players, our dependable player. Obviously, he scores that goal, creates the assist for the Luca Dean goal. Um, so he had a quite quite a good game today. I thought worked hard all night. Played another ninety minutes. Will probably play another 90 minutes on the weekend. So he's obviously going to be a little jaded. Hopefully not. Hopefully he's ready ready to go and ready to give his all again as he always does. Um, but he was one of the bright spots in this game. I guess if you're looking at positives, if you're looking at things to be positive about, I guess the fact that we, we fought back from conceding a goal twice, which is something that a lot of Everton teams in the past just haven't been able to do. Um, we didn't win the game, 
and I don't think we deserve to win the game either. But I think I guess that's a that's a positive if if we're trying to grasp at straws and look for positives. I think that Andre Gomez and Tom Davis in the midfield didn't work. I think Gomez was a passenger. Same with Tom Davis as well. Like they just they got overrun, they got overworked, and I think that I think Gomez works better as a substitute, someone to come on in a three, whereas as someone to play in a decore type role in a two. And I think Tom Davis as well needs a Decore or needs an Allen or needs to be in a three to be effective because he just didn't work this game. He just, it, it just frustrates me because you want to support him, right? He's a local lad, came up through the system. It's just not there right now. And I don't know if that's down to where he's being asked to play, the role he's being asked to play. Just just doesn't work just got overrun in this game in the midfield him and Andre Gomez both like it's just it was just bad I don't think them in a two either works I think you saw that right if your spine of the team don't work Ben Godfrey Mason Holgate and then in front of them Tom Davis and Andre Gomez if they don't work your team doesn't work and our team didn't work today it just it just didn't it was it was it was bad it was just a bad performance all around like I don't think any Evertonian can walk away from that thinking we should have won. Obviously, it went down to penalties, and penalties are a lottery. Um, but just if you look at it in those 90 minutes, we did not deserve to, to get anything from that game. I don't think there's much more to say. It was an awful game. A, a rough, rough week for Everton. Um, losing 3-0 to Villa and then losing on penalties to, to QPR and being knocked out of the cup. But if I'm honest... I don't really mind that we're out of the cup. I don't think we need another competition, especially with the squad that we have. I think we should focus on the league. And then when the FA Cup comes around in January, hopefully the squad's in a better place and we can focus on giving our all in that cup. Because again, I've never seen Everton win a trophy. I want to see Everton win a trophy in my lifetime. The cup competitions at the point in time is the best way for us to do so. I think that the squad that we have now doesn't need a Carabao Cup. Very bare bones. Very, very bare bones. And we don't need another cup competition. Although I want one. Again, I want one. I want Everton to win a trophy. But it's just... It's just unfortunate how circumstances have put us in the position where we have to bring on a, an unfit striker for 70-odd minutes and we have to play Alex Wobia striker. It's just it's just bad. It's just bad. Um, but yeah, that's I don't, I don't want to think about that game anymore because I woke up at 4.45 to watch Everton lose to Crystal Palace. Um, but let's get into the Hammers-Rodriguez situation. We'll sort of cut it up. We'll stop talking about games right now. We'll talk about Hammers-Rodriguez. Obviously, apparently he's close to signing with Qatari club Al-Aran, Al-Rayan or something like that. Um, and yeah, I want to sort of discuss... The two sides of the coin, right? Obviously, Everton Twitter going crazy because they, they want to see Hammers Rodriguez play live. And that's fair enough. If a player, if like, say for example, if I was living in Liverpool and I could go to the go to the games, I'd want to see Hammers Rodriguez too. Um, a world-class footballer, um, ability-wise, I just think, I don't know what it is, right? You, you, what is it that's not working here? Obviously, Benitez had him at Real Madrid, and he didn't like him there for whatever reason. Um, so James Rodriguez leaves, and I think he goes to Bayern Munich during that time. 
And then, obviously, Rafa Benitez comes here to Everton. Rodriguez is there. Hammers only came for Carlo. And we know he only came here for Carlo. Carlo leaves. And and then Hammers doesn't leave uh, during the normal window. And it's sort of like, okay, he's, if he's going to be here, he's going to be here. Um, the manager's saying he's injured or he has an injury and he doesn't want to risk it and all this sort of stuff. Whether it be down to him not being fit. And that's why he's not playing... Or whether that just be down to him not wanting to play for Everton, which is why he's not playing. I don't know. He's training with the squad. We know he's training with the squad. And it's it's tough to see what it is because you want a footballer like that at Everton, especially with the commercial pool that he has and with the ability that he has. I I, I still think he can do a job here at the, t- at the squad. And I think that especially with how bare bones it is, I think we need a bit of Hammers Rodriguez to... To, to be in the squad and bring that attacking outlet. Um, but if he doesn't want to play for us, then he doesn't want to play for us. You, you can't... F- I mean, he's contracted he, He's contracted to Everton, right? So obviously, obviously he has to do something. He has to turn up to training at the, at the bare minimum. But if it's a mix of the manager doesn't want him and he doesn't want to be here because Carlo left or whatever, then what do you do? You can't cry ass to, to to say, Rafa, why did you alienate this player? Because if he doesn't want to be here in the first place, what what is Rafa going to do? And then you can't cry ass to Hammers because if Hammers feels like he isn't wanted in the squad in the first place, then you can't blame him for wanting to leave. But I think this situation here is both parties, Rafa and Hammers, just not agreeing with each other. And that's led to one thing or the other, and that being that Hamez is probably going to leave the football club to Qatar. And I think that it's annoying, right? Because you look at deadline day and the Porto deal with Luis Diaz. If Hamez just accepts that, he's in Portugal right now playing for Porto and we have Luis Diaz. But he didn't for whatever reason, whether that be money. And I think that if he's going to Qatar... Obviously, he's going to be paid very well. Um, so, I don't know, man. It's it's annoying because it's like you're going to Qatar. You're 30 years old. You're at the peak of your powers right now. You, could, you, know, you still have a lot of years left in you. Maybe if you were 33, 34, and then you go to Qatar, fair enough. But you, it's annoying, right? Because Hamas could have really done something here this season. He could be doing something right now for, this, for the team, right? Um... And the fact that he's he's on a plane to Qatar while we're going to play QPR in the cup is just annoying, especially last season, right? You remember that Man City game? He was on a plane to Colombia while we were playing Man City. Like, why? Was that allowed? I just don't get it. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's part down to Rafa not wanting him and then his attitude as well. Whether that be his attitude to run, whether that be his attitude to commit to trainings and all that sort of stuff, whether that him being a little bit of a diva, but that's what you get with these high profile players. They're a little bit of a diva and you just got to manage that. And I, I just, it's really disappointing the fact that he's not going to play for us this season, you know? And I think a report came out saying that the, the deal has been negotiated with Al Rayan and it's just up to Hammers to accept that that deal or whether or not he'll just stay at Everton. 
if he does end up staying at Everton, I hope that he plays and I hope that he puts his head down and he, and he go, goes to work. He needs to find his place in this team right now. He needs to fight for his place. He, he can't just expect to have another Carlo Ancelotti where he'll just say yes to anything that he wants because he's James Rodriguez, right? That's not what Rafa's all about. He needs to fight for his place in the team if he does stay. And if he does leave to Al Rayyan, then it'll be disappointing because this squad is already thin and it's going to be even more thin once Hammers Rodriguez goes because that quality, that attacking prowess that he has will leave the club. I'll never forget that assist to Richarlison for the Merseyside Derby. Never forget that. And I think that it really dawned on me that Hammers Rodriguez was at the club when he scored those two goals against Brighton. And I was like, damn, we have Hammers Rodriguez. This is going to be awesome. Um, and it was awesome for the time he was fit. Um, and now it's sort of just leaving a sore taste in my mouth, much like Samuel Eto, where he was here for like, what, six months and he left because he found out that Roberto Martinez was a toss pot. Still is a toss pot. Um, but apparently being linked to the Barcelona job, which is absolutely crazy. Um, he's, he falls under one of those, right? World-class player comes to Everton, doesn't either doesn't put the work in or he's a bit of a diva so that the manager doesn't want to play him and then he, they leave the club without really doing anything. I, I would argue Hammers Rodriguez did more for Everton uh, than Samuel Leto did. But again, just, just unfortunate. Just unfortunate the situation that it is and the situation how it unfolded. I guess it's just one of those situations that would go down in Everton history as what could have been. It's unfortunate that the Goodison crowd never got to experience him or that he never got to experience the Goodison crowd because I think that could have swayed his opinion, right? That could have been one of those things. It's like, wow, these guys really love me. I'll stay here. I'll fight for my place. I'll do this. Uh, but it never happened. And he's probably gone, if I'm honest. He's probably gone. He'll get paid a lot of money in Qatar. He'll play whatever he wants to play. He'll do whatever he wants to do. And and that'll be it. So, yeah. Hammer's probably gone, which is unfortunate. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the Rafa Benitez hate that I'm seeing on the timeline right now. I'm seeing a lot of people saying they want him out. I'm seeing a lot of people say that, that he should be sacked if we don't win against Norwich. <sighs> Why? Right? Why, why are people asking for him to be sacked? I get if you don't like him, right? If you don't like him, that's fair enough. You're, you're a fan. You're allowed to have your opinion. If you don't like him, that's fair enough. But you can't ask for him to be sacked. You can't. We can't keep doing this. Like, as a, literally as a club, we can't keep hiring managers and then firing them and then going through this managerial merry-go-round every single season we need stability we need to have a manager here that's in there for more than two seasons we need that when's the last time a manager saw out his contract at Everton it's been so long Roberto Martinez sacked Ronald Koeman sacked uh, Marco Silva sacked Carlo Ancelotti he left we can't keep doing this we need a manager in there and if I'm honest with you I wasn't 100% a Rafa Benitez either. He wasn't my first choice, second, third, fourth, or fifth. But what I think he brings to this team, we've seen it already this season. Tactically, he knows what he's doing. 
He does. He just does. And, and work rate wise and his ability to coach the players is more than Carlo ever did. I think with Carlo, right, with all the, all the trophies he's won, all those achievements, right? He had it with world class players and he doesn't have that here at Everton. He had a, a group of very average footballers with a couple of very good footballers and he had to sort of mold that and it didn't work. And I think that that's what Rafa will do. He he has a, he's done that before. He with Newcastle. He did that with Newcastle. Although Newcastle got relegated with him at the helm, like Newcastle would get get relegated anyway. So, but I think that what he brings to this Everton team is more coaching. This team needs a coach. This team doesn't need a world class manager. It needs a coach. So I think that right now Rafa is the best person to do that say for example we fire him who do you bring in to replace him who what manager is out there right now to replace him we're not getting Antonio Conte that is not happening he will also want a buttload of money which we don't have so who do you bring in you can't sack the manager if there is no clear and obvious candidate to come in and make an impact there is no manager out there right now that will come into this team and make an immediate impact that will want to come to Everton you can't there there is none so I don't see the point in in sacking a manager that we gave 1.7 million pounds to spend to right keep that in mind as well he literally spent no money in the window People are complaining, oh, why do you keep bringing in all these old players? Because these older players were available for free, didn't need to be paid money for them, just just wages. Financially, the past couple of years have hamstrung us, right? The the Ronald Koeman summer of 16, 17, um, spending money like $30 million pound on, on Alex Awobi and just spending money left right and center for no reason or no plan or no direction this squad is a mixture of different managers and now we have another manager with his mix of players to add into there as well look at look at our starting 11 jordan pickford rules ronald kuman Seamus coleman david moyes uh yeri mina was marco silva michael king ronald kuman luca dean was marco silva um, Allen, Carlo Ancelotti, Decore, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, Damari Gray, uh, Rafa Benitez, Andros Townsend, Rafa Benitez, Dominic Cavalluan was Ronald Koeman actually, and Richarlison, Marco Silva. This team is a hodgepodge of different managers, ideas, philosophies of who, what they want as a footballer. And I think that Rafa Benitez is the best person to get that mix and make something work of it. And he's done so, so far. And I think that people are overreacting. People are just, either they just hate Rafa Benitez to the point where they just want him gone. And again, as I said, it's fair enough. If you don't like him, that's fair enough. But what you can't do is wish the worst on Everton just so that he's gone. You can't do that right? And you can't say if we lose to Norwich on Saturday, he has to get sacked. Again, because who do you bring in? That's It's ridiculous. You can't do that. It's just ridiculous to say, like, to put out a statement like that. It's dumb. It's just dumb. Because then we'll be in another period of instability. 
will be in another period of transition and we can't have that. We, we can't. When we brought Benitez in, we all said this manager cannot be sacked again because it will just bring another cycle of instability, another managerial merry-go-round. We can't do that. I think people need to subvert their expectations as well. More than ever, we need to sort of look at it and just realize we finished 10th last season with Carlo Ancelotti. This squad is not a lot different to that squad that finished 10th. I would say it's more well-balanced, but it's not a lot more different. So to expect anything amazing is sort of... I don't know how to explain it, but it's sort of shooting yourself in the foot. It's sort of getting yourself really excited before anything exciting anything ha- like ever happened. You know? I think this squad is capable of 7th. I don't think it's capable of anything more than that. We were going to lose games this season, right? Losing games was going to happen. We were going to probably get knocked out of the Carabao Cup anyway. And that's just me being real, right? This squad is paper thin at the moment. It is paper thin. You take the spine out of any team, they will struggle. You take Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Allison, Van Dijk, and Alexander Arnold. Out of Liverpool, they struggle. You take uh, Lukaku, Havertz, uh, Mount, Thiago Silva, and Mendy. Out of Chelsea, they struggle. You take Kevin De Bruyne. You take... Uh, Jack Grealish, Ederson, uh, Ruben Diaz, and Kyle Walker out of City, they struggle. You take Ronaldo, uh, Greenwood, Pogba, Fernandez, Varane out of United, they struggle. You get what I'm saying here? Even your top clubs, even your big boy top four, even if you take player the like a, the spine out of their team out, they lose. They they struggle. They may maybe not lose, but they struggle. And our team is not as good as theirs. So you take a spine out of our team, and we will very very much struggle. And that is what's happening right now. Can you imagine if we didn't have Damari Gray or Andros Townsend? That would be catastrophic. Absolutely catastrophic. And who brought in those players? Rafa Benitez. Who identified the need for those players in the team? Rafa Benitez. So you can't be asking for him to be fired when the players that he's brought into the team have been our best players this season. And they just have been. Damari Gray, Andros Townsend, two of our most dependable players right now, and they were brought in by Rafa Benitez. You can't ask for him to be sacked. He shouldn't be sacked. He won't be sacked. Even if he lose against Norwich, he won't be sacked. And if you're calling for his head after that game, I don't know what to tell you. You're just deluded. Either you're deluded or you just really hate the guy, which again is fair enough. But you, but we need to look at Everton. We can't think about Rafa Benitez. He, he, although, he, he yes, he managed Liverpool 11 fucking years ago or, or, or whatever that is, right? He's here now. He's our manager. Get the fuck over it. We need to be thinking about the well-being of Everton. And, and that means stability. 
that means not having to fire a manager, fire all the staff that that manager brought on with him, hire a new manager, hire all the new staff that that manager wants to bring in as well. We can't keep doing that every year. We can't. We, we, we genuinely can't. It, it, it is just, it, it is unstable. We need stability. So for me, this Rafa hate is stupid and he shouldn't be fired because we, we don't need that right now. Um, so yeah, to end the podcast, let's go ahead and preview the Norwich game. This is a big game, right? This is massive. Norwich haven't won a Premier League game in 15 games. <laughs> so now, along come Everton, right? In, in shambles squad wise. And it's just, oh, good God. This is massive. This is, this is a big game because next week we have Man United. So this is, in my opinion, a must win game, not a draw, a win. We need three points here because we have United next weekend and Dominic Cavallo and Richarlison, Coleman and Pickford Rolls will, they'll, they'll all still be out for that United game. So we need to win this game. Norwich haven't won a game so far this season. They haven't looked like winning a game so far this season. So we need to be the team that continues the trend of them not being able to win a game so far this season. We know that they have performances that they can give. We saw it the last time they were in the Premier League against Man City. They can do some things. We just can't, we just can't let them do it. And I, I am like very, very cautious about this game because I know how thin the squad is. We literally just played a game on Wednesday. We just lost that game, by the way. We just lost 3-0 to Villa. And now we're going to Norwich. The good thing is that it's Norwich at home. And the good thing that is that it's at Goodison. So the crowd can sort of like push the players on in the game. But it's going to be difficult. There are no easy games in the Premier League. Even Norwich being 20th place, having not won a single game since the start of the season... They will still be a tough game. They will still be a hard game to win. And we will still need to be at the top of our game to win that game. We can't just be like, oh, it's just Norwich. Because it's not just Norwich. It's not just QPR because they just beat us. It's not just Villa because they just beat us. There are no easy games. And especially the squad, the way that it is right now. This is a must win. It's an absolute must win. Because I'm not expecting anything from United. So you can't lose this game. We need to keep picking up points against the teams that we have to be picking up points against. Norwich at home is a game we need to win. Much like Southampton at home was a game we needed to win. Much like Burnley at home was a game we needed to win. This season will not be like last season where we get more points away from home than at home. This season, we need to be doing what we usually do and win our home games. More points at home, get a couple of wins away from home as well, get those in the bank. We need to do that. If we want to get Europe, these are the games we need to win. If we want that seventh place spot, Norwich at home is a win. That needs to be a win. It has to be. It genuinely cannot be anything else other than a win. I am not going to be satisfied with anything else other than a win. I think in terms of injuries and that sort of stuff, we'll probably be seeing the same people out injured. Obviously, Luca Dean picked up an injury against QPR, and we need to hope that that's not a bad injury. 
if it is a bad injury, we'll be looking at another another sort of back four of probably Godfrey left back, Mina and Keane in the middle, and then Mason Holgate right back, like we had last season for a couple of games, which worked, by the way, um, for a large majority of that season. So that could be an option if Luca Dean is that injured. But I mean, it's Norwich. Like, shit, it's Norwich. We should be, we're Everton. We should be beating Norwich. Again, if we want Europe, Norwich needs to be done. Like, dealt with, finished, win, 2-0, 3-0, right? <sighs> I just don't know if we'll, I don't know. I don't know. This team needs to show its resilience, that, that mentality to to come back from losing against Villa and then losing against QPR. We need to see a fight back, you know what I mean? And again, it's a game that we need to win because we have United next weekend. And in the form that Cristiano Ronaldo's in, I don't want to see him running at Michael Keane or any of our defenders for that matter because he's going to have a field day against us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, Norwich have a couple good players. Uh, Campbell is one of them. He, he's probably the standout for me, to be honest with you. Um, but other than that, they have a very, very average squad. We have a very average squad as well, but I think that we're a little bit better than their average squad. So we need to win this game, even with our injuries, right? Even with the injuries that we have out, I think that still we put a stronger starting 11 out than they can. I think that the return of Allen and Decorey in midfield will be good for us. I think that Rondon with a, with a couple more minutes under his, under his belt will hopefully look a lot fitter against Norwich. And I think that we're going to need that Goodison crowd more than ever in this game. That Goodison crowd is going to be bouncing. It's going to need to be loud. It's going to need to be um, hostile to Norwich. It's, it's gonna, the players need to respond to that more than anything. And we need to go out and win the game. I'm going to predict a 3-0 win. I'm going very positive here because I need to bring, put that into the universe that I'm positive about this game. I'm going for a 3-0 Everton win. Uh, but that's going to be it for the Aussie Toffee Podcast, episode number six. We talked about a lot of things here in this episode. Um, my voice is, is, is about to go away now. My throat's very dry. Hope you guys enjoyed this. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give it a like and click that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, make sure you follow the podcast on Spotify as well. Uh, but I'll see you guys next week for another episode. Peace.